Friends, it's good to be with you this morning and to hear God's word together with you. Let's take a moment and ask God to be with us as we hear that word. Heavenly Father, bless us this morning. Be with us as we hear your word and let us focus on the things that you want us to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. God's word that we're going to take a look at this morning is from Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, uh, we'll begin with verse 30 there. We've been taking a look at these lessons from Mark off and on throughout the summer. If you'd like to follow along with me and you've got one of these white and blue Bibles there next to you, you can find this section on page 821, or you can certainly open your own Bibles up as we hear from God together. Had an opportunity one time, it was a nice one, uh, to, to talk with a, a lady she was not terribly pleased with the choice that our, our church made regarding uh, religious services. Specifically, she was a little bit unhappy or, or dissatisfied with the fact that we would only have religious services provided by our religious professionals, our people on our site. Uh, that is, she wanted to have some outside minister be able to have a service at our facility, our location. Uh, and I'm not saying it was necessarily this place, but we, we would say, you know, we're only going to have religious services provided by our religious people on our site. Uh, we, we won't have outside professionals. And, and the, you know, the more I thought about this, this lady, um, the more I was just impressed and I thought what a rarity she was. You know, what, what a beautiful thing this was. Not because I agreed with her, uh, because I, I was part of the group that said, you know, at, at our church, at our site, we're going to have our religious professionals and religious people provide our religious services. We're, we're not going to ask outsiders to provide religious services. But she, she came to me and, you know, and she says, look, you say you love your neighbors and you say you want to love other people, and, and this seems like a really unloving thing to do. How can you turn away other people and, and not let somebody else use your facility, use your site, uh, especially for, for something important like a religious service. I mean, isn't this like what Christianity is all about, that we should love each other? And doesn't this like a, a supreme way to love people? And like I said, I, I didn't agree with her, but I, I thought what a wonderful thing in, that she's asking, because here's the thing I noticed, right? The vast majority of people I talk to don't think that religion matters enough to even ask or to say something if they disagree with people. Most people, if they have some discussion or disagreement about a religious matter, they'll just walk away. They're not going to argue with you. They're certainly not going to politely tell you, you know, I have a concern about this and I'm wondering what you're thinking. They won't say that. They just walk away and they give up the whole conversation, don't they? Uh, I mean, I think, I, I have a, a relative that this happens with quite frequently, a young lady, lover. She's a, a, a great relative, but she has, she has no idea about um, religious practices, religious uh, beliefs. And so she'll ask me, like this last time we were together, she says, you know, I don't even know what a pastor does. What does a pastor do? And, and I tell her a little bit about what a pastor does, and she says to me, oh, that's nice. And, and I, I know that, you know, she's, she's never been to a, she hasn't been to a church in at least well over a decade. She has no idea about religious beliefs. She doesn't think really that they're that good. She has a lot of disagreements with them. But she says, oh, that's nice. She's not going to disagree with me to my face, right? And that's how most people tend to act about religious matters. Oh, it's, it's nice, you have your thing, because it doesn't matter, right? There's no, there's no consequences. These ideas that you have said, they have no significant impact in our lives. And then along comes Jesus today, and he says, look, if you and what you do 
causes somebody else to sin, cut off your hand. Now that's a pretty serious thing. Jesus says there are absolutely consequences for your religious choices. And you know what? The consequences first fall on you, O believer and follower of Jesus. You are the one who has to take extreme action to avoid offending other people. You know, this is a great point that Jesus is making for us. Consequences do tell us that something matters. Right? Jesus has already, throughout the entire Gospel of Mark as we followed him, he's made the point numerous times that religion, specifically Christianity, should be followed. That we should watch and follow after Jesus. And he, he says it, it's because I'm the true king. He says it because the Gospel is really the right thing. Today he wants to say a third thing. He says Christianity really matters because there's consequences connected with it. There are consequences connected with your religion, right? You know how important consequences are in life. If your employer tells you it doesn't matter when you show up for work, you show up at some point, I'm glad to have you. I mean, we want you to show up on time, you know, but eh, we're not going to dock your pay or anything. Are you going to worry that much about showing up on time? But if your employer tells you, you lose five bucks for every minute you're late, you are going to be on time to work, aren't you? The consequences will matter a lot. And Jesus says today, look, there are consequences connected to religion too. Now Jesus, and we want to see two things about it. First, the reality of them, and then the relief of them. Now Jesus, he, he embraced fully the idea that there are consequences in life, uh, and even more, the truth that there are consequences connected with, with religion, which seems weird to most people. And, and let's see that, right? Jesus said in today's lesson, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They'll kill him, and after three days, he will rise. And you can tell that the disciples, they, they did not get this idea that there are consequences connected with religion. It just it didn't click with them. Because how did the disciples respond? They didn't understand, and they didn't ask him about it. They just let the whole thing go. They're like a lot of people today about religion. What? That doesn't make much sense to me. Oh well, not important. Right? The disciples didn't even think it was worth their time to ask. And commentators will tell you that's because they expected that the Messiah would come and would rescue all of the Israelites from the Romans. He would usher in an age of prosperity and wealth. And you can see from the disciples, they thought the same thing in this section. You probably heard the disciples say, not only that they kept quiet because they argued, but they argued about who was what? Who was the greatest? They thought this was their chance to become important. They did not at all understand that there were consequences connected to the coming of the Messiah. You know, a lot of people, right? We can't imagine that there are, are consequences connected to the coming of, of somebody with religion. Real, day-to-day, tangible consequences. They couldn't imagine that the Israelites would reject the very person who was trying to save them, who was trying to, to rescue them. But it's really not that hard to imagine. Let's just take an illustration. Okay? 
Uh, I don't know if any of you have had a heart transplant. You don't have to tell me. Maybe you, you have. But if, you, if you've had a heart transplant or you know somebody who gets a heart transplant, or for any, for any transplant for that matter, you know that the process to getting that transplant is very rigorous. You have to get vetted, checked very carefully. You know, do you have the right blood type? Do you have the right uh, oxygenation levels? Or is your body the proper size? Blah, blah, blah. Right? All of these technical details about whether or not that heart will fit into your body. And even after that, after you've been very carefully checked, then you get a regimen of drugs to make sure that your body is going to accept the heart transplant. And then you might still find out, right? You get the transplant, and what can still happen? Your body might reject the heart, huh? Just like any other transplant, you, your body might reject the very organ that you've been given to save you. And, you know, the disciples didn't realize the same kind of thing would happen with Jesus. That the, Jesus was a foreign object introduced into a foreign people. They didn't want him. They didn't want somebody to come in among them and save them. Any more than, than your body wants a foreign object stuck inside it. It doesn't matter if it's the thing to save you. Your body would reject it. And, and the Israelites, they didn't want something foreign stuck in them either. The disciples, they had to wrestle and figure that out because they were not ready for this idea that there were consequences connected to Jesus and Christianity. You know, and it's too easy, isn't it, for us to, to, to do the same thing, to, to forget that there really are consequences connected to religion. I mean, take, take a funny classic story uh, spoiler alert here, if you've never seen Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark, you need to cover up your ears, okay? I'm giving away the movie. Right? If you watch the end of the movie, Indy finally finds the Lost Ark. He, he comes and he's looking for the Ark of the Covenant and he finally finds it. Uh, and, and it's been captured by a couple of, of Nazis and a French priest. It's the weirdest thing. Anyway, uh, and they... So they find, he finds this ark, and the Nazis have decided that they're going to open the ark. They're going to open the ark. And I remember even as a teenager watching this movie for the first time, and I thought to myself, what are you doing? That's like the worst idea ever. Nobody opens the ark of the covenant. You don't touch the ark, but they open the ark, and what happens? Something in the ark, ghosts all come out, right, and suck their souls out of them. They go through their eyes and into their hearts, and they suck their souls out of them. And Indy is saved. Why? Because, because he... He keeps his eyes shut. He knows that religion has a, is a serious thing and it could even, could even kill him, huh? And, and I, we could tell story after story of person who didn't recognize the consequences connected with religion. And I'm not just talking about formal religious practice in a church, right? But there's all those consequences connected with worshiping something, loving something first in your lives. And I think of stories about people like Bruce Becker, you know, who, who that great tennis star, he tried to climb to the very top of the tennis world, the tennis peak, and he got there and he just said, there's nothing there. It's just big emptiness. It sucked the life out of my very soul. And how many people don't find the same thing? when they religiously, zealously pursue something. There are serious consequences connected with religion, and, and we've got we to think on that. We've got to think on that so that we can find relief, relief from those consequences. 
Because Jesus wanted to give his disciples relief from those consequences. He, he knew how serious they were. He went on at the end here, he said, if anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble. And that's where he really begins to, to list off the harsh consequences connected with religion. He says, basically, if you sign up to follow me, right, if, if you are willing to follow me, you have to be willing to do some pretty tough stuff. Some really tough stuff. And basically everybody recognizes, okay, pretty much everybody recognizes that Jesus is not asking you to hurt yourself. He's not at encouraging, he's not asserting self-harm, self-mutilation. You shouldn't be doing that, right? Um, but what he is saying is, he's saying, look, I am, I'm opening this door for you. I need you to, to make this choice. You have to decide are you going to hurt yourself or are you willing to, are you going to hurt the people around you? That, that's, that's your choice. You, you need to make this decision. Either you, with all of your sin and your sinfulness, are, are going to be willing to do the work on yourself, even if it's painful, so you stop hurting other people, or you are going to bring scandals and pain and hurt into other people's lives. And which one are you going to choose? He says, you know, no matter what, there are consequences connected to religion in your life. Either it's going to be a problem for the people around you, or it's going to be a problem for, for yourself. But you can't get around those consequences. And he even uses this word, this really hard word that we're used to hearing all the time. He says, if you cause them to stumble. Now that's the Greek word scandal. It, he actually uses the word scandal in his, own, in his own words. He says, here's your choice. Either you're going to scandalize all the people around you or you're going to scandalize yourself. Which one are you going to pick? And his promise to you and to me, his promise to all of us, is that he will become the scandal for us so that we can accept whatever consequences we have to, to deal with our own sin. That's his promise to us, is that he would become the ultimate scandal for us. Jesus said it in the first Peter chapter two, probably best. He said it here. He said, to you who believe this stone is precious. Can you put up the next there? You go. To you, the stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. That word stumble that Jesus, that Peter uses here, is the word for scandal. He says they get scandalized. And Jesus is saying to you and to me through Peter, either, either you let him become the scandal of your life, and accept whatever consequences that brings to you. Or you are going to become a scandal for everybody else around you. You're going to cause a mess in their lives. And which are you willing to take? Because Jesus has, is more than willing to become that scandal on the cross so that you and I can finally have a safe place 
a place where we are, are protected from the consequences of the sin and the ugliness and the mess in our lives. Right? I would have to be as honest as anybody else to say there is more than enough darkness and ugliness in my heart to cause a disaster in all of the lives of the people around me. I could bring more than enough consequences, negative consequences and pain into everybody else's lives. I might love to say, oh yeah, I'm pretty good and I've got my life all put together, but that's not the case. There is one safe place where I can go, where somebody else has become a far greater, a far bigger scandal than I could ever be, and I can leave the mess and the ugliness of my life with him, with him on the cross. And I know that that is the ultimate safe place. I think about this, this ancient, this old picture, it's not really ancient, right? The old picture of the, the people who, who used to cross the prairie in the United States and, and they were seeking a new homestead, right? They had, the new land had been opened up for them and so they were running across the United States to try to find a new homestead. And they would go in wagon trains, moving slowly like a snail's pace with the oxen pulling their wagons. And there's one story I, I remember getting, getting told where a, f- a whole big train was crossing the prairie and they saw a fire whipping out of the west across Colorado towards them, just like, just like today, right? And they, they had crossed a river not that long ago and they could have maybe, maybe turned around and tried to make it to the river, but everybody said, we're never going to make it. The fire will get to us beforehand. Somebody in the group, though, was, was smart enough to say, let's set a fire behind us and the wind whipped the fire backwards. And then what do you think they did? They went and they, they stood in the land that had just been burned. And as they watched all of the fire tear at them out of the west, a little girl said, are we going to be safe? Are we going to be protected? Are we going to be okay here? And the leader said, yes. As long as we stand where the fire has already burned, we will be safe. Right? And Jesus says to you, I've been burned. I've been thrown into the worst hell on the cross so that you don't have to endure the worst consequences of all your sin. You can face every possible terror of admitting your wrongdoing, of fixing all of the issues in your life, because you have safety in the one who has endured danger for you. This is a great promise of Christianity for you and me, friends, that Christ has carried the consequences And so Christianity has great consequences for us. Christianity has great consequences to promise us fixing and working on ourselves. So let's do that. This fall, as I said, we're going to recommit ourselves to to following Christ and to accepting what all the the consequences are that that come out of that. And I am willing to, to step up to that challenge with you. And I hope that you will join me in that challenge to step up and to say, yes, whatever the consequences are, I will join in following Christ. And I pray that you would join with me. Let's pray for that. Lord, thank you for the opportunity today to to hear this word that you have taken on the worst consequences that we might face as we endure our own sin and we work on our own sin. But we ask that you would relieve us from those terrible consequences. Save us from the fear of, of death or of hell and everything else that might attack us and provide us with the sweet relief of life in you. We pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen.